Christmas. We know as Christians, or if you've been in church at all in, at all in your life, you know that on Christmas Day we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. We know that. But we talked more about why. Why did God choose to do it that way? Why did God choose to have his son born as a baby, to grow up, walk around on earth with us, and then to eventually die for all of us? And that's really what we talked about. Why Christmas? God was changing something. He was changing the whole landscape of the world. When he sent Jesus, he changed everything. He changed everything. For hundreds of years, God was silent to his people. And then that night in Bethlehem, the cry of a newborn baby changed it all. The silence was broken, and God was starting something new. So Christmas is really about change. It's not New Year's when we make all the resolutions and there's all this change. Really, Christmas is about change. And I think we should see it that way. On Christmas Eve, if you were here Christmas Eve, um, I showed this to the kids and we were talking about because we were trying to, I was trying to get the concept to them about what ransom was because Jesus said that he came to pay the ransom for all of us. And I knew the, co- the kids might not understand ransom, so I was telling them, you know, you put money in, you pay something, and something is released. And that's what Jesus did. He paid the price, and he released us. He, like that song was saying, he released us from that, this, the chains of sin, the chains of death. And David kind of used this visual, too, and he was saying that when, it's like when Christmas happened, it was like God was putting the coin in and turning the crank. And the change was starting. God started the change. And that's why I think, as, as Christians, we should be thinking about Christmas is a time for change. Not the new year, but Christmas is a time for change. And change can be subtle, or it can be really drastic. Things can change on a dime, instantly. Or things can be subtle over time. And there's all kinds of biblical examples of change. There's Saul's conversion. There's when the disciples decided to put everything they had and everything they did down and to follow Jesus. They, they left everything to follow Jesus. There's, there's times that Jesus healed people instantly. There's changes. And the thing that, I, that every change that's in the Bible, every time God makes a change, whether it's subtle, whether it's drastic, whether it's quickly, whether it's over time, it's all for good. And it's all for his glory. Every time there's a change, he's doing it for that person's good and for his glory. We're going to look today specifically at a change that happened. And this one's back in the Old Testament. And I'm going to let you guys start turning there if you have your Bible while I'm kind of setting us up. This is in Genesis 32. Genesis 32. Um, and as, as, as you're getting there, I want to say that, you know, um, David has talked to us about, like, what's going on in our lives is it sort of mirrored in what ha- is happening happening to us spiritually? So I was thinking, um, for my own, for myself, what changed for me after Christmas over the years? Like, what kinds of things seem to change, and does that sort of mirror how I let Christmas change me now? And I thought, as a kid, um, you remember what Christmas was. The change for Christmas for a kid is I got more stuff. I got more stuff. I have new things to play with. It's all a blessing. It's all exciting. Everything you get. Even if you get the Lego set that has a thousand pieces, that has a hundred directions, and you've got to figure out how to put it together, it's still a blessing. Even if it's hard, it's still a blessing. 
So that's how a kid takes the change for Christmas. As a teenager, I was a teenager that grew up long before gift cards were the thing. So as a teenager, I, I got all these gifts, and some I liked and some I didn't. And some I accepted as the blessing and the excitement, and I wanted, and some I would just kind of hope there was a gift receipt, and I could return it, or I could avoid that gift that I didn't like so much. And then as an adult, we kind of honestly go, okay, I got through it. It's over. It's a wonderful day, and I love that it's Jesus' birthday, but boy, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to have all that stuff going on all the time. So as we're talking this morning, we're talking about change, we're going to be thinking about how do we respond to the change? Do we respond spiritually like the kid, the teenager, or the adult? Okay, so let's look. Genesis 32, we're going to be starting um, at verse 24. And um, we're going to be talking about Jacob. Now, Jacob was um, the son of Isaac. Um, He was the husband to Rachel and Leah. He was the twin brother of Esau. And if you remember, he's the one that, you know, Rachel said he's holding on to the heel. Okay, and this, at this point, Jacob is, um, he's married, he has all these children, and he's living um, at his stepfather, I mean, he's not his stepfather, excuse me, his father-in-law, his father-in-law, um, he's living with them, with that family. And he's heard from the Lord that it's time to go back. It's time to go back to his homeland, to go back to the promised land. And he's going to have to face Esau again. And, and he's not so sure about that. But So we're picking up where they're moving on. They're going and they're, they, they've had to come and they've had to camp for the night. Okay, And this is where we are. So let's pick up in verse 24, Genesis 32, 24. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you, unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Now this was a turning point for Jacob. He went from being Jacob to being Israel. It was a turning point. And we can see this, this section of Scripture as two things. One, encouraging, because God's not going to let us stay where we are. He's going to change us. Or we can see it as a little scary, because God's not going to let us stay where we are. He's going to change us. Because God's going to change us. We can see it as, that's encouraging, I want to do it. Or, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. But it's going to happen. God calls us to change. When he when Christmas happened, he started changing things and he wanted us to change too. All right, so we're going to look a little closer at Jacob's story. All right, in verse 25. Verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Now we can wrestle with God. I don't want to wrestle with God. 
but we can. But in this wrestling match, what was interesting to me about this wrestling match is God came in the form of a way that gave Jacob a little bit of a chance. A little bit of a chance. He came in the form of this man. That Jacob had a little bit of a chance. And I think God does that with us. When we need to change, God gives us a little bit of a chance. He gives us a little rope. Sometimes enough to hang ourselves. But he gives us a little rope. He gives us a bit of a chance. But at the same time, what he was showing Jacob when he touched his hip is I'm still in control. I can change it. I'm still in control. I might let you have a little leeway. Make some decisions on your own. See if you can do a little bit here. But I'm going to change it if I want to. I'm in control. And Jacob ended, I mean, Jacob had this limp from, from this touching of his hip. He had this limp his entire life. And that could be us spiritually. If we don't let God change in us what needs to be changed, we could have this limp all the time. If my issue is worry, I worry. And God clearly tells us worry is not from him. We are not to worry. It is a sin. But I do it anyway. I'm going to have that limp all my life. I'm going to have that limp that I can't quite get to where God wants me to be because I'm limping from this thing I have not let him have. And he's going to show me, I have control over this. I'm going to let you try to change it, but I have control. I have control. Okay, let's look at, um, oh, let me, let me say this too about that. God will, it's almost like he was saying to Jacob, let me just frustrate you a little bit. I'm going to let you wrestle all night. I'm going to let you wrestle with this, but I'm going to frustrate you just enough until you do give me the control. I'm going to make you uncomfortable until you give me the control. There's a... Um, I was reading um, somewhere in one of, a, a nature book or something one time that a mother eagle, when she is getting her nest ready for her babies, before, the, before she even lays the eggs, and she's gathering all the pieces to make the nest, and she'll choose twigs and sticks and all this, and she builds it, but then she lines it with the softest down feathers she can get from herself. She gets the softest feathers, and she lines this nest. She wants to make it comfortable for her babies. So the babies are born. She gets the food for them, and she's taking care of them, and she's taking care of them. But as the baby eagles grow, they need to leave the nest. Their situation needs to change. They need to change. Now, if they're in this little nest that's comfortable all the time, are they ever going to leave it? No. They're never going to leave it. So little by little, the mother eagle starts to take away the feathers. She takes a little away, takes a little more away. Every day that they're growing, she's taking more away. Until the nest, there's nothing left but the twigs and the sticks and the thorns. She's made them uncomfortable enough that they are willing to change their situation. They're willing to get out of the nest and try to fly. Now that's not to say she pushes them out of the nest. And when they start dropping, that she just lets them drop. Nope, she'll swoop down and pick them back up and bring them back up to the nest. But that nest is not going to change. She doesn't want to make them so comfortable that they're going to stay there forever. And God will do the same thing to us, spiritually. He wants us to grow. We have to change to grow. So he will make us uncomfortable in some way. 
he'll make us uncomfortable enough that we say, okay, I'm going to step out of the nest. He won't let us fall. He's going to swoop down and carry us back up if we start to stumble. But yet, he's not going to change that nest back to the comfortable little spot until we've made the change that he's called us to change. All right, let's look at the next part of Jacob in verse 26. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is where Jacob's really making a commitment. He's acknowledging God. He's realized this is God. This has to come from God. The blessing has to come from God. The change has to come from God. We have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that we can't change stuff ourselves. We might be able to change the circumstances. Maybe. Maybe not. But we can't change. A heart change has to come from God, and we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Now, this, this God was sent this man, this angel, to wrestle with Jacob. Did he know his name? Absolutely. He already knew his name. What he was doing here was making Jacob confess, kind of own up to it. See, Jacob, and I hope nobody's named Jacob in here today, but Jacob, biblically here, meant subplanter which means that um, you sort of hang on to somebody else by force to get along. Sort of a schemer, so to speak. He needed Jacob to own up to stuff, to his stuff. He needed to sort of confess his stuff. He had been a schemer against his brother years back. He and his father-in-law had had some issues. Both of them weren't, you know, they both had stuff. But he had been a schemer. There's some things that needed to change in him, and he needed to confess it. He needed to say it out loud. The the same is with us. We have to tell God. Listen, we can't tell God what's wrong with us. He already knows. He already knows. But we have to say it. God, I know this is a problem for me. I know that worry or getting frustrated, taking out my anger with frustration at my job, taking it out on my family, whatever it is, I know this is my thing. God already knows it, but we need to confess it to him because that's what opens up the door for change. If we don't don't admit it, we can't be changed. It's just like um, anyone who has an addiction. If they've gone to AA, if they've gone to something for, um, for food addictions, anything at all, that person has to say it before they can be helped. Before they can be helped. They have to admit it. That's why in AA meetings they have people stand up and say their name and say what their problem is. Because those people know they can't help that person unless they can admit it. And God's the same way. He knows what our issues are. And he's just waiting for us to say it to him so he can, uh, so so that our heart heart is open for him to step in and change it. And that's what Jacob had to do here. He had to say it. He had to say it before God could change it. All right, verse 28 through 30. Let's read that little part. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. 
Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Things changed as soon as Jacob began to cooperate with God's plan. He came face to face with God. He had to cooperate. He had to confess that he had to cooperate. And things changed immediately. Immediately. He said, you're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. He could say to us, you're no longer the worrier. You trust me. Whatever it is, the the thing in our heart that needs to change, God will change it instantly as soon as we decide, we confess it and we decide to cooperate with him. What's interesting, too, is that when he named him Israel, Israel means prince that prevails with God. So it was a reminder there, too. Yes, I've taken you from being this schemer, this, this issue that you have, and I'm going to change it. But I'm also going to tell you in the same sentence that you still have to be with me. You, have, this can, only, you can only stay in this place with me. Because you know what? Our stuff, we can kind of go right back to it. That change that we made, we can go right back to it. If we don't do it with God. If we don't remember that he is the one who changed it in the first place. He is the one that changed it in the first place. I have to tell y'all, when I was was growing up, I was, I don't know if any of y'all know my son Matthew, but he's about this big around. And that's how I was as a kid. I was thin, ate whatever I wanted to, just, you know, all of that stuff. And as I got older, I guess I figured I could just do the same thing. Nothing would ever change. And I found myself about 40 pounds overweight. Very unhealthy. Um, Heart disease is very prevalent in my family. And... I remember that the day that I woke up and said, and, this, and it wasn't that I had an eating addiction, that I just, it, I just, I didn't care. I just ate what I wanted. But really, the issue wasn't heart issues. It was a heart issue because I had not let the Lord deal with some stuff in my heart that just, that needed to be dealt with. And I remember I had turned 40. For some reason, that's a big turning point for a lot of us. And I woke up one morning, and I just, I said to the Lord, and it wasn't about vanity, it wasn't about, it was about, there was a reason that I ate every time I felt bad. There was a reason. There was a reason that any time I felt stressed out, any time my kids weren't behaving, any time I wasn't getting along with my husband, any of that stuff that I ate, there was a reason. And I remember saying to the Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it. And he had to change some things in my heart. He had to show me who I was in him. He had to show me that, um, that I can't control everybody else. That was a change for me because I'm a fixer. My kids will tell you I still try to fix a lot. I'm a fixer. But God was trying to tell me, I, you can't fix everybody else. But I, God, can fix you. 
So as God started working in my heart, and I had to make physical changes too. I went to Weight Washers. I decided to quit drinking Chick-fil-A sweet tea every single day of my life. Um, So there were changes I had to make too. But really, what it boiled down to was the changes in my heart that needed to happen. Those had to happen first. And then all the other stuff began to change. Now, did I still have days where my kids didn't behave? Of course. Did I still have days where I was stressed out? Yeah. Did I still have days where I fought with my All of that stuff still happened. But the changes that God made in my heart made me change how I responded to that stuff. And I lost the 40 pounds. And therefore, I became healthier, which was better for my kids and everybody else too. So when God changes us, it it might be a subtle, it might be a drastic thing, but whatever it is, it's for our good and for his glory. Now, we can run from change, or we can face the need to change it. And sometimes running from the change seems a lot more appealing. Because there are those of us who don't like change. You might be one of those people like my my youngest son, Matthew, does not like change at all of any kind. When I wear my hair straight, he doesn't even like that. I mean, he does not like change. He was one of those kids, when he was little, you had to give him warnings every five minutes. Okay, in ten minutes, I'm going to need you to go get your shoes. In five minutes, I'm going to need you to put your shoes on. In three minutes, we're going to get in the car. I mean, that's just how he was. He couldn't go from one thing to another quickly. And he's, he's older, he's better now, but he needed gradual change. He needed me to kind of give him the, this is how it's going to happen. And then there are those people who, who you might have friends or you know people who they'll change their hair color from purple to green to red. They don't, change is, they don't, change is cool. They kind of like change. And I kind of figure most of us are somewhere in the middle somewhere in the middle of that. We don't dislike change, but we don't welcome change either. We're somewhere in the middle. And some of us may spend our day going, you know what, I don't need to change. My circumstances need to change. If I had more money, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry anymore if I had more money. That would be be great. You know, I, I'm frustrated right now because my job is not, I don't have a job or I'm, I don't like the job I'm in or I've taken a new job and it's not what I was doing before. I get that. You can be, you can be in situations and circumstances where you think, I don't need to change. My circumstances need to change. And God can change circumstances, absolutely, and sometimes overnight. But lots of times, the circumstance doesn't change. We are the one who has to change. And we could spend a whole other day talking about how God makes changes on the outside, all the circumstantial changes that need to happen in our lives. And those, we can pray for those, absolutely. I want my house, my house is for sale. I've been praying for months for my house to sell. I want that to, to happen. But right now, all I, have to, all I can do is trust God that he's going to sell it when it's the time. He's going to bring the right person. So we can run from the change or we can, we can take the needed changes. And God calls us to change. The Christian faith is actually about change. From the time that God started Christmas, when he turned that handle and said, I am changing the landscape of the world by sending my son. 
The rest of it is all about change. The rest of it is all about change. The first time we change, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, that's the first change. That's the first big change. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's a big change. The new has come. Old is gone. That's the first change. But that's not the only change. God's purpose for us is to be more like Christ. More like Christ. And that one thing, trying to be more like Christ, it necessitates change. Because you know what? God's not going to change. He's not going to change. So we must be the one who has to change. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's not going to change, and we're supposed to be more like him, then guess who has to change? We do. He's not changing. And God's purpose for us is to be more like Jesus. We make the one change when we become new. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, when we become new, that is the biggest change in our life. But then we spend the rest of our life trying to be more like him. And that always means change because he's not going to. The character of God doesn't change. His purposes don't change. His fairness doesn't change. His promises don't change. If he never changes, and we're supposed to look like him, then who has to change? We do. Christmas brought that change. It started the whole process of change. It was a turning point for mankind, and it changed the landscape of everything. Everything. So again, is our spiritual life mirrored in how we accept that change? Are we like the kid at Christmas? Everything I got is awesome and cool. And I'm blessed by it, and I'm going to use it, and I'm not going to forget about it, and I, I, all of that. When God changes us, are we like that? Are we that kid who says, God, you know what? This kind of hurts. This kind of hurts. Because sometimes looking at ourselves and looking at that part of us where we are a worrier or where we take out our frustrations on other people or for me where I was a fixer and I thought I could fix everybody and everything was going to be good if I could fix everybody else. And when I had to take a good look at myself, that was hard. It was hard. Change doesn't always feel good, but it's for our good. So we're going to be like the kid and say, bring it on. Give me more. Now, that's not to mean in between some changes you don't go, okay, just a little bit. Sometimes we need that too. But are we going to be like that kid at Christmas who says, God, give me more. I want it. I want it. Are we going to be the teenager who says, okay, God, I'm going to change that one thing, but I really don't like that one. So I'm going to just kind of avoid that one, return that one, so to speak, and say, you keep that one. 
you keep that one. I'll change here enough to trust you this much, to trust you this much. But I'm not going to change this part. I'm not going to give up my grip on this over here because I'll just let you keep that one. I don't like that one. Or are we going to be like the adult who's just like, just get it over with. Let's, come on, just, let's get it over with so I can move on with my life. And I can just be left alone for a little while. With that attitude, it's like, you know, God, okay, I'm going to change this part because you have, you've wrenched my hip. I've got this limp now, and I know if I don't change it, okay, my life's going to fall apart. So I'll change it, but I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to count it as a blessing. And I'm not really going to learn from it either because I'm just going to, Kind of just get it over with, let's move on, let me get on with my life. And that type, when that happens, we end up right in the, back in the same place we were before. Back in the same place. I think that, that verse about having faith like a little child, I think this is a perfect example of when we should be like a little child. Like a little child is on Christmas, when they're opening all the gifts and they want it all. That's how God wants us to be, about what he wants to do in our hearts. He wants us to say, bring it on. Bring it on. Will it be hard sometimes? Absolutely. But bring it on. We talked about the comfort level for change. And wherever you are, whether you're that person who loves, you just, you don't, you, you can't stand change. You don't want anything to change. You want everything to stay the same. Or you're the person who, yeah, bring on change. I don't mind any of it. Or you're somewhere in the middle. Whatever your comfort level is, there's something in your heart that God wants to change. And I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions because we all make them and then we all break them. This is more, about, more than about willpower to say, you know, I'm going to exercise every day until it gets really cold and then I don't want to do it anymore. Because willpower is not going to take you through. That's external stuff. Internal change has to be from the Lord. It's the only way it can last. It's the only way. When I wanted to lose 40 pounds, I knew how to eat right. I knew to exercise. I'd spent my whole, the most of my life thin. I knew that stuff. And willpower alone could have helped me lose weight. Absolutely. And willpower alone can help me in this new year do the things I want to do. But if something I need to change is in my heart, that is not a New Year's resolution. And really, when you think about it, God doesn't really care about January 1st. As far as that's the day I want to see everybody change. God wanted that when he started Christmas. When he started changing things, he set in motion that every one of us was going to have to change too. So this week, when you're, when you're thinking about, when you're kind of moving past Christmas and you're sort of, that's kind of, we've moved past that and I'm still cleaning up or I'm whatever you're doing, and you're moving towards the new year, 
I want you just to pray and ask the Lord, what is it in me? What is it in me that needs to change? Your circumstances, there may be things, but I don't want, that's not what I want you to pray about. Not today. Not the circumstances in, in, in around you that can change, but what in you needs to change. Because again, every one of us in here has something. Because there's nobody in this room that looks like Christ yet. None of us. And some of us sitting in here came to church today knowing there was a change they needed to make. Knew it when they walked through the doors this morning. Lord, I know you're trying to change this in me. I know you are. And when we have some ministry time at the end, if you, want, if you come forward and you say, I know God wants to change this in me and I need you to pray with me, we'll pray with you. Some of you are sitting there going, I don't know. I'm feeling really good. I don't know that there's anything I need to change. But I want to know. We can pray for that too. And some of you, you know, you, you have this stirring in you that there's something that God wants to do. And you're not really sure what it is. We can pray for that. And maybe someone in here hasn't made the first change to accept Jesus as your Savior. We can certainly pray for that. God is a God who never changes. But he's about change for us. He wants us to be more like his son Jesus. He wants us to remember that Christmas started something new. Not just in December. Every day. He wants us to be more like him. I'm going to pray for us, and then if um, Bo and those guys want to come up, we're going to have some ministry time. And I would just encourage you as, as I'm praying to just start asking the Lord, what is it? What is it in me today? Not January 1st, today. What is it in me that needs to change, Lord, that will make me look more like Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just um, praise you, Lord, that you are a God who does not change that you are the same today, tomorrow, forever. Lord, but you are a God of change. Your desire is for each one of us.